Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. I'm excited about the opportunity to preach. We're going to continue in the series, Practicing the Practices. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, some notes have been provided for you, and <clears throat> I would encourage you, if you'd like to follow along, and there'll be some uh, notes that'll be on the screen. I didn't include any of the scriptures in the notes themselves, so feel free to have your Bible open. Uh, open up your, that maybe the app that you have on, on your phone or a tablet. And don't feel like you have to open to every single verse that I say I, I'm going to be uh, up front in the sense that I have a lot of scripture to share. And I, when, I try, when I teach or preach, I try to really emphasize the scripture in the sense that, hey, don't take my word for it. God's word says it. And I want to point you to Jesus, and I want to point you to the Word of God. And so that's why I always encourage you, have your Bible open, follow along as we go. But maybe just, uh, you're not going to be able to catch every single thing that I mention, but maybe jot those, those passages down, and you can look those up and study them out uh, in a deeper way on your own time. But we're excited about the message, and I, I want to start really foundationally just highlighting a verse as it pertains to the life of Jesus and a reference to Scripture, and then we'll pray and we'll jump into the message. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I don't think Jesus could be more clear as far as the, the importance and the primacy of Scripture in his life but in the life by extension of all of us as his disciples and as his followers. And so we're going to spend some time looking on this subject and the practicing the practices. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to meet together today. Lord, be with me as I speak and as I preach and teach. Lord, that your spirit would fill me and use me. Lord, that you would work in the hearts of your people that are under the sound of my voice this morning in this room and online. Lord, that uh, hearts would be challenged to draw closer to you. Lord, I pray for those that perhaps maybe are not saved, that they would recognize their need for a Savior in Jesus Christ and put their faith in him today, Lord. And those that are saved, that they would grow, they would be built up in their faith, and they would be challenged to have a deeper walk with you via the word of God. And we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And as uh, Pastor Mark has mentioned, uh, we've been focusing on not only what Jesus has said in the Gospels, but really focusing on, well, what has Jesus done? What were some of his practices? And we as his disciples, we really ought to have a desire to, to want to know what Jesus says, but also uh, to be able to follow his footsteps. Uh, there's a, in many ways we can't, right? Jesus is God, and there's the prerogatives of deity that he has that we'll never be able to, to emulate, but there are many things that we can and one of those things is a relationship with the Word of God, with the Scriptures. And so I'm going to kind of map it out. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to look at Him in relation to the Scriptures in the Bible. And then we're going to take a, a somewhat of a broader look at Scriptures in general. And just there's so much that could be said. I literally could speak days and weeks, and we could, we could have seminars on Scripture. Uh, and I'm trying to put that all into a 35, 40-minute sermon. So pray for me. That's hard to do especially for me. Um, but we're going to look at the broader scope of the Scriptures and some principles that I think are essential to us being able to really know how to, uh, 
to navigate studying the Word of God and having a deeper relationship with it. And then we'll end with some practical stuff, just some encouragement. Hopefully, I'll be able to share something with you that you'll be able to take and maybe implement this week in your life and in your walk with the Lord as it relates to the Scriptures. So let's... Um, Let's dive into it. I want to, with our time together this morning, I want to underscore three points of emphasis on the, on the practice of Scripture in Jesus' life. Before I do that, it cannot be overstated enough that Scripture was important to Jesus. And Scripture has a high premium when it comes to studying uh, the Bible itself and, and what it says. In Psalms chapter 138 and verse 2, the psalmist said this, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. You ever been driving down the road and see one of those LED lit billboard signs? Uh, you know, especially those ones that have the white backdrop. It's like it's really dark. You're driving down the road and it's like, bam, that thing just comes out of nowhere and it blinds you, right? It does its job. It really gets your attention. Sometimes as I'm reading the Bible, some verses just do that to me. They're kind of like that billboard. Well, they'll really just pop off the page. This is one of those verses. And just the, this idea that's being communicated that God places a high premium on his word. He's elevated above his name, that passage just said. And that's incredible to think about, wait a minute, Jesus' name is significant. You study his name out in the Bible. The Bible tells us there's, there is salvation in none other than in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's in Acts chapter 4, we're told that. And then in Philippians 2, the Bible says that one day every one of us is going to bow down and we will proclaim, we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus and that he's Lord. That's significant. But here it tells us that he's elevated his word even above his name. And so I don't think that the Bible could be more clear, and we could not overstate the importance and the supremacy of the Word of God. And that really needs to set the stage that this is not a ho-hum subject. This is of the utmost importance, and we need to give our attention and our focus to it. So first of all, we want to see Jesus' esteem for the Scripture. Jesus' esteem for the Scripture. When you study the Bible, you should ask yourselves questions. And one of the questions I want to ask this morning is, what was important to Jesus? As you study the gospel out, as we think about the life of Christ, if, if we were to ask the question, what was important to Jesus? I'm sure we would get a number of answers, right? Uh, we would say things, hopefully you would say, hey, the glory of his father was important. I came to do the will of my father. I want to do what he wants me to do, and I want to bring glory to his name. Would you agree that that was, that was an important thing in the ministry and life of Jesus? I think another thing, Jesus made it clear that, hey, here's one of the main reasons why I came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Saving souls was a priority to Jesus. That was important. As he went about his daily life, he was looking, the, the fields were white uh, unto harvest. Souls were ready for reaping as far as salvation was concerned. And he was going about his days engaging people, meeting that woman at the well and, and healing and, and preaching. Why? That he might see people saved. That was really a, a prominent thing, an important thing for Jesus. But I think we should also, at the top of that list, include this idea that Jesus made much of the Scriptures. Jesus made much of the Scriptures. And, and I think as we kind of unpack this particular point a little bit, we will begin to see it. Uh, we will see that Jesus had an esteem for the Scriptures. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, duh, of course He did. 
Jesus is God. Of course he has an esteem and a premium placed on his word. It's his word, right? Uh, and, and to a degree, you would be right in thinking that. that yes, he is God, uh, but he's God come in the flesh. He is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And in his humanity, we learn some things about him. For instance, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 52, the Bible talks about how Jesus, he had to, he grew. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and man, which is really kind of mind-blowing. It's like, how does God, who's omniscient, grow? How does he learn? In, in Hebrews chapter 5, we're told that although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. How did Jesus, who's omniscient, he knows all, how did he learn and experience, have an experiential knowledge of things and grow as, as God? And I think that that's the uniqueness of Jesus is that did he, he didn't just come to, to die to be our savior, but he came and lived to be our example. He came to identify with us. He came to be a man and live as our example. And so as we look at his life, we can see that we don't quickly dismiss, well, Jesus is unique. He's God. So of course, all those things are true, but that really doesn't apply to me because I'm not God. We we're doing ourselves a disservice when we have that mindset. We can look at Jesus as a man and we can learn from his life and make application to our own. So Jesus was exposed to the scriptures. As we look and study Jesus in relation to the scriptures, what do we find? We see that he was exposed to the scriptures. I think he was exposed to the scriptures by his own family. There's no doubt that Mary and Joseph taught Jesus the scriptures in the home as a young boy. Uh, they were the Jews. This was cultural. This was the norm. Uh, history te teaches us this. The scriptures teaches us this. In, in Deuteronomy chapter number four, uh, I'm sorry, chapter number six, verses four through nine, you, you read it on your own time. But that passage is very clear that, hey, I, Jesus, God said to the nation of Israel, I want the word of God to be in your hearts. And fathers, what you need to do is you need to, in the home, teach your children the Word of God. You need to write it down. You put it on the posts of the door. Have it where it's visible for them to see. You need to help them by teaching it, speaking. Talk about it when you're in the way, when you get up, when you lay down to go to bed. Talk about it. Preach it. Teach it to your children. And so this was commonplace. A good Jew would teach their children the Word of God in the home. We see even in the New Testament, as the Apostle Paul talked to Timothy, and he was reminding him about his rich heritage in the Scriptures, and how he had a, a mother and a grandmother that were faithful in the home, teaching him the Word of God in, in 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. And, and we're told even in Ephesians 6 and verse 4 that fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So in the home, Jesus was exposed to the scriptures, which is a great reminder for us, mom, dad, grandparents, that our home should be an environment where our children are being exposed to the scriptures. That's, you should work to cultivate that. And that looks different from family to family. I don't care necessarily about the method of it. it, just, it there needs to be a practice in it. And it needs to be consistent. Get your kids exposed to the Word of God in your home. Uh, but not only did Jesus get exposed to it from his family, but he was also exposed to it institutionally. 
And it was Jesus that, as he was exposed to and learned the scriptures, he, he got that in the synagogue school. Uh, and this was commonplace, again, in the Jew, for the Jews in Jesus' time, that there would be a synagogue, especially the, as they were away from. Jesus lived in the northern region of, of Galilee, and the temple was down in the region of Judea, and that was a good distance of travel away. It's not like they could just, you know, get in the car and drive to, to the temple for worship. Uh, they did that on special occasions, uh, but day to day, week to week, there would be a synagogue, and, and there they would learn the scriptures, they would memorize the scriptures. They had rabbis, and they had priests, and they had prophets, and they had the Levites. And so this happened in the synagogues, and this happened in the temple during the feast times. But God designed it that way, that there would be a general exposure to the scriptures in the home, but in the institution uh, that God had designed for them in the Old Testament, that being the temple and the synagogue practice. But that is true for us, too, today, that God designed the church, the local church, to come together, and that it would be the pillar and ground of the truth. And we need to remember these things, because this is good encouragement for us, not only as parents, but also as a church. Yeah, you're, where should we find truth? Where should the exposure of truth come from? The exposure of truth should come from places like Harvest Baptist Church. You're not going to find it on CNN. You're not going to find it on Fox. You're not going to find it at the universities. You're not going to find it in the business world. Where where did God design that truth and the scriptures would go forth? He designed that it would come from this place, from this group of people. Remember, the church is not these walls. It's not this, the things in here. It's the people in here. We are the church. And God designed that we would be a, the mechanism by which there would be an exposure of truth within our culture. And so God has called us, Harvest Baptist Church, to go to Natrona Heights and to Saxonburg and to New Can and, and Freeport and, and, and even the greater Pittsburgh area and even beyond to our state and to our country and, and to the countries abroad. God wants us to take the scriptures everywhere and have an exposure to it. And this is a good reminder for us that we should be that in our homes and in our institutions. But this is what Jesus had. Jesus was exposed to the Scriptures. Secondly, Jesus, as we study it out, we see that Jesus had a hunger for the Scriptures. He had a hunger for the Scriptures. And, and that can be found uh, in the, the episode of Luke chapter 2, verses 45 through 47. Remember when Jesus and his family went down for the Passover, and they were there for the festivities, and then uh, Mary and Joseph left, and they realized after a day's journey that they forgot Jesus, uh, and they went back, and they're trying to find him. It took three days. But where was Jesus? Jesus was in the temple, and he was listening and asking questions and interacting with the religious leaders of that day. What does that show us is that as Jesus, he was 12 years old at that time. So there's this progression that I'm, I'm a picture I'm trying to paint as we study the life of Jesus, that he was exposed to the scriptures early on. He began to develop this appetite and this hunger for the scriptures because of that exposure. And, and, and the Lord was working in his life um, he, the scriptures were at work in his life, humanly speaking. And um, here's the question, do we have an appetite? We see this appetite, humanly speaking, in the life of Jesus as he is hunger, hungry for it, and he wants to be exposed more to it, and he wants to ask questions, and he's hearing what the responses are, and, and the people were astonished at his understanding. It, would that be true of you and me? Do we have this appetite to, man, I, I just, I have to be a church. 
I, I just, I can't go without having my devotions, and I, I just need to glean, and there was something that was said I just didn't understand, and that's just lingering in my mind, and I want to dive in a little bit deeper and, and really grasp that, and I'm asking God to help me to understand this particular nuance of, of the Scripture or, or this, this teaching. Is that our desire? Is that, do we demonstrate an appetite? Jesus did. Not only that, Jesus submitted to the Scriptures. And what I mean by that is that Jesus lived in such a way that demonstrated a compliance with what the Scriptures taught. And this is so important that we, that we grasp this, that not only do we have exposure to Scripture, not only do we begin to grow in our appetite and hunger for the Scripture, but as we learn it, we begin to apply it. And that's what you see happen in Jesus' life, is that He took in the Word of God, but then He began to live by it. And he, his, his practice was that He aligned his life with the scripture. Did that make sense? And it's, it was very apparent that the scriptures were priority and foundational to the life and ministry of Jesus. Episode after episode, and time will not allow us to, to, to really just point out every single one, but you think about his baptism. You think about when he was tempted in the wilderness. You think about his earthly ministry when he would go and teach and preach and the individual conversations that he would have. When he was ridiculed by the religious leaders. When he was uh, betrayed by Judas. When he was abandoned by his, his uh, disciples. When he hung on the cross. When he rose again. Think about all the episodes of Jesus' life. What was he doing? Jesus was... Humanly speaking, Jesus had, or I'm sorry, throughout the, the Gospels, Jesus is constantly obeying, quoting, and referencing the Scriptures. Let me say that again. As you study the Gospels, what do you find Jesus doing? He is constantly obeying, quoting, and referencing the Scriptures. And that's how he chose to, uh, to lead his life or live his life, that he wanted to align himself with the Scriptures. He had to know the Scriptures. He had to have an engagement with the Scriptures. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, he, he allowed the Word of God to be so pervasive in his life. He had developed and cultivated a knowledge of Scripture that it began to shape his thoughts his words, and his actions. So pervasive was the worst of God in Jesus' of life that it shaped him instinctively. If I could put it this way, Jesus thought Bible thoughts. He spoke Bible-driven words. When he spoke, it was informed by his knowledge of the Bible, and it characterized how he spoke. Jesus led a Bible-driven life or a Bible-informed life. So his actions, why did Jesus do what he did? It's connected to a scripture somewhere. You can mark that down. Why didn't Jesus do the things that he did not do? It's connected to a Bible principle somewhere. As you study his life, you will find that. And that's the way you and I should live too. Why do you not go to that place? Or why, do you, why did you not take that job? Or, hey, why did you disconnect from that relationship? Or, hey, how did you solve that, that friction in the relationship maybe with your spouse? Or how did you figure out how to raise your kids and, and they didn't turn out to, you know, to be terrors? How did you figure that out? Hopefully your answer is, well, I just, by the grace of God, and I got my nose in the Bible, and I began on trying to discover what God says about it. Because he's the one that designed the family. He's the one that designed the institution of the church. He has a plan. He has a will. He has a way. And our job is to figure out what it is. And he's given us the resources by which to do that. And we need to align ourselves and submit ourselves to it. That is of the most importance, uh, the, of the utmost importance. Not only was the, the scriptures foundation of the life and ministry of Jesus, but he intends for it, be the, for it to be the same for his disciples. And so the question is, 
Are we submitting to the scriptures in the same manner that Jesus submitted himself, uh, submitted himself to the scriptures, uh, the way he tried to make himself compliant with the word of God? And then lastly, on this particular subject, what do we see? This progression, he's exposed, and he begins to have a hunger and an appetite, and begins submitting to it, obeying, quoting it, referencing it, aligning himself to it, thinking Bible thoughts, uh, saying words informed by the Bible, and, and living his life that way, but ultimately teaching and promoting and communicating the Scripture. That's not just a Jesus thing. Do you know that he wants us to do that too? That's not just a pastor thing. That's not just a group leader thing. That's a every Christian thing. God wants us to be people who grow up in the Word of God so that we can impart the Word of God. And we see that model in Jesus. Jesus was teaching. And Jesus not only taught the Bible, but he taught about the Scriptures. And, and, and there's a, a source of encouragement and security that comes from understanding even what Jesus taught about the Bible. Jesus taught the Bible to be divinely inspired. These are the words of God. If this is not God's Word, then let's just let's close up shop and get out of here. We're wasting our time. But this is God's Word, and it is authoritative. Jesus taught it to be, because it's God's Word, therefore, it ought to have sway in our lives. It should inform our practice. It should inform our faith. It should inform our priorities. It should guide and steer us, for sure. It's true. It's an inerrant, infallible, historically accurate. You can, the, the Bible is factual and true. Uh, and because of that, we can rely on it. That's what Jesus did. We even see that example as, as he was facing temptation. It is written. We just read that in Matthew 4, right? What, how did he combat those trials and those difficulties that he faced? He did by relying on the Scriptures. Uh, oftentimes saying, hey, uh, the, the Scriptures are fulfilled. And, and, and as that, they're reliable and trustworthy. And also we see that it's sufficient. Jesus taught the sufficiency of the Scriptures, that, hey, these words lead to salvation, and they lead to good life, uh, a fulfilled life. And so, so much more that could be said there, but here's the point of that section. The point of this section is that we look at Jesus, and yes, He's God, but He's also man. And we see Him as He grew as a man. He also grew in wisdom and in favor and knowledge with God and man. And so God also grew in disciplines and Jesus grew in uh, rhythms and Jesus developed good habits and Jesus' hunger and appetite and his engagement with the Word of God became more passionate. And when he entered into his earthly ministry, uh, he began teaching and promoting and being effective for the honor and glory of God. That should be us too. That's the progression as a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two, Let's look at some need-to-know essentials about the Scripture. Again, there's so much that be, could be said here, but I, I wanted to highlight a few things that I think that are pivotal for us to understand as disciples that are going to help move the needle when it comes to, hey, I want to have a better practice in the Scripture, but I need to keep some of these things at the forefront of my mind, and I need to implement some of these practices so that I can be more effective in that regard. First of all, how we approach Scripture matters. Oftentimes I tell my kids, attitude's everything. Really, what is your attitude at the core of this issue? I'm not so much concerned about with what you're saying or what you're doing. I'm more concerned about how you're doing it and the, the way by which you're going about it. That's, God cares about our, our heart. God cares about our attitude. And so, 
If we want to grow, we're going to have to, if we want to grow in our knowledge of God and his word, we have to start with the right approach. And that right approach is a right attitude. It needs to be an attitude of humility. It needs to be an attitude of reverence. And it needs to be an attitude of faith. When, when we do this, when we have that approach to God and to the scriptures, then uh, I believe that God works in and through us, and it positions us to draw closer to God and to grow in His Word. So Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so Revelation 4 tells us that our very existence in verse 11 is to, for the pleasure of God. All things were created by Him and were created for His pleasure. And this verse tells me, this is another one of those billboard ones, if you can't tell, uh, that really just jumps off the page at me. This verse says, it is literally impossible to please God without coming to Him in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And we have to come to Him believing that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's, that's the linchpin. That is the, the gateway, if you will, to engagement with God and having a greater understanding of his word. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a comparison there in that verse. First, the fear of the Lord. That's where we can begin in knowledge. Having a reverential respect towards God. But the fool, he despises it. You see the attitude? If, if my attitude is one of pride... It's one of arrogance. It's one, I, I got this all figured out, or I just need, you know, God just needs to give me a little boost, and then I got it from there. No, no, no. We need to be completely dependent upon God. We need to understand who we are. We're sinners that deserve to die and go to hell. We're, there's nothing good in of us. We've, we've all gone out of the way. We're altogether unrighteous. But God, who's omniscient and omnipotent and holy and righteous and just, we need Him, and we need to approach Him as such with reverence. And when we have that attitude, then God will work in our lives. Draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. The, next to this point, and so how we approach Christ and how we approach the Scriptures matters. But the Scriptures are spiritually discerned. And there's so much that we could unpack here. I want you to jot down 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 14, and read that on your own time. But I'll give you the highlights. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he's telling them that, hey, there were some things that God uh, has made a mystery, that God has his dealings and his workings in the life of man in the context of mankind. And initially, early on, those were a mystery. We didn't fully understand what they were. But as time progressed, God has been revealing himself and sharing more of the plan. And, and, and he says in that passage that these things we didn't understand, but now we do. We understand them by the Spirit of God. And he goes on to expound that it's the Spirit of God who is not only the author of the Scriptures, but He's the revealer of Scripture. And that we cannot understand the mysteries of God, the Word of God in the Scriptures, aside from a, a connection to and in, a, in an agreement uh, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, literally His job, you read it in the Scriptures in John 16, 13 and John 14, uh, verse 26, His function as the Holy Spirit is to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And John 17 tells us what truth is. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us as New Testament believers for the purpose of helping us to understand 
the Word of God. And so we should never enter into this study, into reading, without first having a, a, a heart and a prayer like the psalmist has said, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. There was a, a dependence and, a, and an attitude of deference, but specifically we're told that the, it's the Holy Spirit that will enlighten our, the eyes of our understanding. It's him that who, he's the Spirit of God who knows the things of God. He's God himself, and his function is to teach us the Word of God. But many times we're quenching the Spirit, we're resisting the Spirit, and we're, um, we're missing out on the growth that can take place because we're not in cooperation with the Spirit of God. Another principle that is really in that passage that's super important to highlight is that it says in the last part of that, that particular passage, it says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. Why? Because they're, spirit, they're foolishness unto him, and they're spiritually discerned. Sometimes I interact with a lot of people, especially people that are new to the church or even people that are outside of the church that are just trying to discover God. And I try to have a gospel conversation on a regular basis. And you know what I find is that people can be familiar with God. They can be familiar with church and they, they're trying to learn more about God, but they're putting the cart before the horse. They're missing Jesus in the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a moment. And they're, they're trying to understand this book from a natural state an unsafe state. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. And so they're confused, and they're not able to fully understand it because they've not been saved. And so they get the cart before the, hor uh, the, the horse. I said hearse in the first service. Um, and we need to make sure that, hey, if I want to grow in the Scriptures and I want to grow closer to God, i got to start with salvation. I need to confess my sin before God. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. And the Bible teaches that when I do, I receive the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God will help lead me and guide me into all truth. And so, I don't think that this would be the vast majority of the room, but there may be somebody in this room that's listening to this message, and you may be saying, man, I'm, I get so confused by the Bible, and I feel like I keep hitting this ceiling, and I, I just, I'm not able to grow in it, and I've been discouraged, and I just want to give up. It could be that you're trying to to understand a spiritual book without first being spiritually reborn. And you need to be saved and put your faith in Jesus Christ today. And when you do, you can begin to grow. It, but I would I'd venture to say that the vast majority of this room, you have made that decision. You do have the Spirit of God. Cooperate with Him. Seek His guidance in the study of God's Word and ask Him to open your eyes and to enlighten your understanding as you are consistent and faithful to the study of God's Word. So don't dismiss the Holy Spirit when it comes to Bible study in the Scriptures. Next, growth in the Scripture is progressive. This is important to understand too. Sometimes people can get discouraged in their study of the Scriptures because they feel like, well, I just don't, I don't know what the pastor knows. I don't know what so-and-so knows. And they just kind of you know, dismiss themselves from the practice altogether. No, no, it's a progressive thing. It starts with salvation. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 teaches us that, that I hear the gospel and I need to respond to the Word of God. When I respond to it, man, that launches me into a journey and a life of discovery with God and His Word. But I have to start there. And, and the Bible likens that to a new birth. We become babes in Christ. You're not going to take a baby and start feeding that baby steak, right? That, that baby's going to choke. The same is true in our spiritual walk. I cannot understand the deeper things of the Scriptures initially, but i got to start somewhere. you got to start drinking the bottle. 
you got to start taking the milk in. And those are some of the more elemental uh, introductory teachings of the scripture. And, and so I, that's what I appreciate past, about Pastor Mark as he teaches and preaches. He, he, you, you'll often hear him say, let me bottom shelf it for you. Let me bottom shelf it. Or, hey, here's, here's a practical thing you can do. Real simple. Here's a next step. What is he doing? And some, he's helping those that are on milk. But he's also over here in the same message saying, hey, here's a, here's a piece of steak for some of you that are ready for it and able to bear it. And, and that's important. That, and that would be the second, the, the next progression, the, the third progression, salvation. Begin, he told the Colossians, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what he told them. And then the Bible talks about, and it uses this, this imagery and this analogy of milk and meat as it, our relationship to the word of God, talks about receiving the meat. And that's an image of maturity. To the, and, and he actually rebukes the audience in Hebrews. He rebukes the Corinthian church and says, hey, some of you are drinking milk and you should be eating steak. And that's a, that's a sobering thought. And I would say that that's an extension to us to consider is that, hey, you may be sitting here and you may have been saved for a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. Maybe, and that's fine, you're, you're learning and growing. But some of you may be sitting here and it's like, I've been saved for 10, 20, 30 wouldn't it be ridiculous if we saw somebody sitting in one of the, the seats here and you came in for church and it was a 40-year-old man drinking out of a bottle, a baby bottle? We would think that there was something wrong with him. Hopefully you would think that, right? Nothing surprises us nowadays, but that would be inappropriate and irregular. The same is true in a spiritual life is that, hey, I've been saved. I've been exposed to the scripture. I've been learning and growing to a degree, but how am I responding to that's going to determine my maturity and there's some in this room, you should be teachers. Some of the, in this room, you should be a group leader. Some of these, you should be a discipler. And, or you either have been and you fell off, or you, you have had the exposure and the ability and the opportunity to be there, but you've rejected it. And what the, the admonishment here is, is like, hey, don't be dull of hearing. That was one of the reasons why they weren't growing. Don't be carnal. We let our flesh get the better of us, and because of our carnality and our sin, we're stifling our growth. And so understand it's a progression, and we can either hinder that or we can cooperate with it, but we need to grow uh, in, in the Word of God. Jesus is the focal point of Scripture. I'm not going to belabor this point or the next point, but as you study the Bible, Jesus said it this way in John 5 and verse 39, search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. He said that to religious leaders that were scholars who had a lot of the Bible memorized. Like they could quote the scriptures. But he told them, you're missing it. So here's the, the basic bottom shelf application. When you study the Bible or as you go on your journey in the scriptures, if you're not seeing Jesus or learning more of Jesus or growing in Jesus or being pointed to Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Something's wrong. Something's missing because all the scripture and our engagement with it leads us to Jesus. And then the last one, the scriptures are a treasure trove of provision. We go to the doctor. We go to the financial advisor. We go to that counselor. And I'm not saying don't do that. By all means, take advantage of those. But don't let God's word be the last stop. Don't let God's word be your last ditch effort to figure out what you, you know, how you can solve what you're going through. 
God's word is a treasure trove of provision. He's a good father. He, he's given that to us. He, in our salvation, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And when we dive into the scriptures, we find hope. We find healing. We find happiness. And that list could go on and on and on. I don't know what you're facing this morning, but I can promise you based upon the authority of God's word, there's something there that will help you with it. God knows your life, he knows how life works, and he has a road map and a prescription, if you will, for us to handle what we face in life. And then lastly, as our time is now almost gone, we've seen Jesus, we've seen some broader principles, and there's a lot more that could be said on that, but let's, let's talk about our engagement, our engagement with the scripture. So, at the end of the day, what, what should I do? You say, Pastor Dom, this is all well and good. I learned a little bit more about Jesus. I've learned about more with the scriptures, you know, and the biblical principles that you find in the scriptures on it. But what do I do with it? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to unpack that a little bit. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, this would be a good one to write down. Maybe even commit to memory. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let me say that again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's a choice, a permissive word, let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, not just dwell in you, but dwell in you richly. We say it this way in Intro to Harvest as we talk about this verse, that God wants the scriptures not to just be a vacation home that you visit on occasion. God wants your, the scriptures and your engagement with it to be your permanent home where you frequent daily, Right? And God wants that to, to, he wants the word of God to dwell in you and he wants it to be rich. So what does that mean? Well, it's going to look different for each one of us, right? It's going to look a little bit different for each one of us. It, you say, does that mean, Pastor Dom, I need to just read the Bible for four hours straight every day? Maybe if you have that time and that, you know, if, if some of us don't have that time, but you may have that time and that's something you discern between you and the Lord. But here's the point. I think the, the broader principle is this, that our time Engaging in the Word of God should be consistent and rhythmic. Whatever that consistency and rhythm looks like in your life, it needs to be done in such a way that God's Word is rich in you. I think that's the important part. Okay, and ask yourself the question, is God's Word uh, dwelling richly in me? And if the answer is no, make an adjustment. Do something to adjust. Say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting up at 6 o'clock, and for 30 minutes I'm going to read my Bible. Whatever. I'm going to give you a little more practical here in a moment. But you should make an adjustment. The point is, we want the Word of God to dwell on us richly. How can that happen? I broke it, in three, broke it down in three parts. Number one, be fed. Be fed. What do I mean by that? And there's a lot of options here. Here's what my challenge to you would be. As I'm going to give you a list of things, and I'm trying to be as practically helpful as I can. You're not going to be able to do it all. I can't even do all these things. Pastor Mark can't do all these things. It, it, what it is is that we should take something. We should try to grow in this area. We should try to make progress. Uh, and so maybe jot something down and, and commit today. Say, you know what? I, I want to have a greater engagement with the Word of God. I want to grow and be conformed to the image of Christ. And so I'm going to implement something. So expose yourself to the regular preaching and teaching of God's Word. So good job. You're here this morning. Be faithful in it. I know life happens, and I, the kids get sick, or something comes up. You get the flat tire, or, or you know, whatever. They're, you're on vacation. I get that. But if you can be here, be here. When the Word of God is being taught, 
Place yourself under it. That's an opportunity for you to be fed, and you'll grow thereby. Uh, the local church, be faithful. Be in the services. Join a group. Be a part of a Bible study. That's why periodically throughout the year we'll say to you, hey, we have open enrollment for groups and teams. Why? We want you to be in a group. Our groups are designed to where, hey, you're going to get Bible, you're going to get encouragement, but we even have some of our groups that are more Bible study oriented. I know Maggie Likens teaches a ladies Bible study on Sunday mornings, first hour. My wife teaches a ladies Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, I teach a Bible study Wednesday evenings as well. And uh, I know Dave Whitcomb, his is more Bible study oriented. He does Sunday mornings. And there's all of our groups are Bible oriented, but these are all opportunities for you to be fed Use the Dwell app. We've, we've mentioned the Dwell app. If you don't know what the Dwell app is, Google it. Uh, but we have a program here where it's literally just listening to the Bible. I was talking to somebody after the first service, and they said, you know, that Dwell app has been such a blessing because I've seen that it, some people struggle to read. You may think in our American culture, nobody struggles to read. Some people do. Maybe it's an eyesight thing. Maybe it's an education thing. But the Dwell app is where they can really begin to just listen to the Bible. Get it into you however you can. I, I like the YouVersion Bible app. On the YouVersion Bible app, my wife uses that quite a bit. It has devotionals that you can subscribe to, and it's all free. And there's even videos. That, these are five-ish to ten minutes at the most videos that you can watch. And what, what is it? You're just being fed the Word of God. There's podcasts. Get on Facebook. Get on YouTube. There's, we have our material there. You can always go back and reference Pastor Mark's preaching and teaching. Um, you could, there are other good pr uh, preachers and teachers out there uh, that you can listen to and benefit from. And so listen to sermons. Meet with someone that you know is a little bit further down the road than you are maybe and, and pick their brain and ask them how they do what they do. And we, we, we want to have this, this spirit of, hey, I, I want to grow. I'm hungry for this and I need to be fed. Uh, we even offer discipleship. If you've never been through formal discipleship, that's a great way to be fed. But not only being fed, we gotta, that's an important rhythm to establish. We don't want to stay there. That's, that's staying on the bottle to a degree, and we want to begin to be able to take on meat. And the, the ability to be able to take on meat starts when you start feeding yourself. Like, it's just with the kids, right? I remember the day my kids, I stopped feeding them, and they took the spoon and started feeding themselves. And that was a glorious day, right? Uh, and, and so we want to begin feeding ourselves. 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we have a personal responsibility to feed ourselves the Word of God. And I dare say that that's where the most growth happens, is when you take your own development and maturity as a believer seriously, and, and you start to say, hey, I'm going to discover God for myself. I'm going to know the Scriptures for myself. It's not enough for my pastor or my mom or my, my cousin or whoever that spiritual mentor is. Thank God for them. But at some point, we got to start feeding ourselves and saying, I'm going to study this and know this for myself. And so that could be something like, it definitely includes conducting your own personal Bible study. And what I mean by that is, is going deeper than reading. It's digging for greater understanding with the intention of greater obedience. That's an, an important correlation, by the way. It's digging in for greater understanding with the intention that what I learn, I'm going to obey. I want to grow in this area. And so it's not just to be puffed up with knowledge. Oh, I understand the Bible more and I can articulate it better. But am I living it in a greater and fuller way? That's what God wants. Uh, I would encourage you to keep a journal. Read the Bible. You say, I just really struggle as I read the Bible. I don't even know where to start. Here's a starting point. Get a piece of, get a notebook, open your Bible and start reading it. 
Start in the book of John. If you've never done it, there's a good place to start. Or if you want to read through the Bible, you can do that. I wouldn't recommend that as your initial thing to do. But take a journal, and literally, as you read, I don't understand what that word is. Write that down. Oh, this really popped to me. I love how that was phrased. Write that down. Write the reference down with it. As you go through the scriptures, keep a journal. If there's things you don't know, find somebody and ask. It's okay. Be inquisitive. Ask questions. But take the onus on yourself. Don't be embarrassed by that. Sometimes I think, well, I can never, I can't get involved in this ministry because I could never preach the Bible like so-and-so, or I could never teach, or I could never. We have to put that aside. That's a cop-out. That's pride. And we need to say, you know what? I'm going to humble myself enough to, I'm going to go ask. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. And I'm going to be diligent in this area. Read books. Use a concordance. A concordance is something that helps you find verses on a particular uh, word or topic in the Bible. Use commentaries. These are men uh, that have studied the scriptures and written books on the scriptures and particular passages. And you can learn from them. Um, Use uh, our statement of faith. I think that's a super practical thing to do. We have a statement of faith. It's on the website, harvestbaptist.info forward slash beliefs. And just read it. And you'll see that we have a bunch of verse references that are on there. That'd be a great kind of a blueprint to start. If I, hey, I want to grow and learn a little bit more. Start there, read it, and ask questions. That'd be a great thing to do. And to really be able to articulate, hey, this is what the church that I'm a member of, this is what the church has articulated as far as beliefs and importance in the scriptures. And I'm going to align myself with that and understand it and grow from there. Use online resources. There's systematic theology books that help us to learn things about the Bible, teachings, in a more systematic way. That list could go on. Here's the whole point. Take initiative. Start feeding yourself. And I believe that when we do, God blesses as a result of it. And then lastly, we have a responsibility to feed others. We don't learn the scriptures just to be filled with knowledge. We learn the scriptures to know more of Jesus, but also to share Jesus. And so I think we can be guilty sometimes, especially as first century, or I'm sorry, 21st century American Christians that we're, we're consumers. We just, we just take in, we just take in, we just take in. But God intends for us to take in and to dispense. And it would be a good idea, I think, for all of us to say, hey, Start asking the question to each other. Hey, what are you learning and what are you sharing? What are you learning and what are you sharing? That's a great, I think that if we develop that culture within our church, we would grow leaps and bounds for the honor and glory of God is that, hey, I'm learning and I'm sharing that. And so that, that could look different. That, that could be something as simple as, hey, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. Or I, what I learned in my devotion, I'm talking to my coworker about it at the lunch table. Or it could be, hey, I'm going to start being an assistant in a group. I'm, I'm a little intimidated to maybe lead a conversation or lead a lesson in a Bible study, but I'm going to start doing that because I want to grow and I want to develop. Share what you're learning. Learn, grow, be a self-feeder, but also help to feed other people because that's what God's called us. A, a true disciple is Christ-like, and we saw what Christ did as he grew and developed into the Word, and he eventually dispensed and taught it. And so God help us as a church to practice the practice of Jesus in this area of the scripture.